Bigger than Capes. Give me some silence. Hello the internet and welcome to another episode of Bigger Than Capes. My name is Zachary Whitaker, but no, my name in fact is Will Holden and I'm joined today by Zachary Whitaker. Oh, wait. <laughs> but no, no, it's Matt. It's it Matt. is Matt. And today we have gained control. Uh, we have yeah. wrestled the leash from Zach. Zach, Zach is currently... Well, we, we don't know where. Um, he's, <laughs> he's MIA, um, AWOL. We, we're sure he's fine. Um, Somebody but else we to do wanted it. to, yeah, we wanted to talk about um, Tetris, the games that people play by Box Brown this week, didn't we? With that, we did. And yeah, and, and uh, Zach was kind enough to, uh, to give us the reins. Yeah. Ready for this so, train uh, crash. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, to say the least, to see how we do without a firm guiding hand. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this could be insane. Okay, but first, tell me, Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Um, You know, doing my usual stuff, like, you know, lots of baking and stuff. Saw a a duck fly into a hanging basket outside a pub this morning. That was was nice. That's a treat. Um, Yeah. Reading comics, reading novels, um, you know, all that good stuff. Nice. What about you? How are you? I'm doing all right, buddy. I've just come back off a holiday. Going back to work's hard, but mm-hmm. it gave me plenty of time to... Uh, I've been doing the impossible task of trying to work through my backlog. Um, of course, Ooh. as is the nature of backlogs, it's ever-growing, and I don't think yep. I will ever catch it. Uh, what have you uh, what have you managed to clear well this was interesting and it was it was a nice moment when i realized this so i i got a few books ready to read and uh you can see how i was going through alphabetically because the books i had were isola livewire lady mechanica invisible kingdom and lazarus i'd got to the i's and l's of the <laughs> of yep. my list but i was quite pleased to see that all five books have a like predominantly female lead and in mm-hmm. some cases in most cases and exclusively like female lead mm-hmm. i thought that that's nice to see because i didn't pick those books out for that reason no it's just a happy coincidence yeah um but these are the books of sort of yesteryear that were very popular mm. uh, when they came out and i've had them for a while it's just one of those books that i've bought and has been gone into the backlog churn and eventually i've managed to get around to them uh, I like all of them, but Lazarus is probably my like particular standout. I have um, only read the first trade of Lazarus a few years ago, but remember really liking it. Um, but I, I I generally like Greg Rucker. Yeah, uh, books, and so like I was um, fairly sure going into it that I was going to have at least an interesting time, um, if not necessarily a good time. But no, I had a, had a pretty good time, even, I'd say. 
and I quite liked um, uh, Michael Lark's uh, art for it as well. Like, it's got that kind of, like, it looks like it, at, at, at points, it's got this weird, almost, like, CG kind of look to it, but, like, due to, due to the way it's shaded, like, sometimes the characters look like 3D models, which I find, like, quite interesting. Took me a bit of time to acclimatise to the art, I think. Yeah. Initially, I found it a bit off-putting. I, I, like, yeah, it, I, I would definitely agree. Like, it's a sh- it gives a bit of a shock. Mm. But to be honest, I'm up to, I think, the fourth or fifth volume. Mm. Uh, they changed their, like, uh, numbering system after a bit <laughs> and become, like, plus 66 and start again at, at volume one. Um, so I was I'm not quite... you've done you've done very well to read 66 trades. But after a bit, the art just becomes part and parcel of the tone of the book. Yes. Um, it's, really fits it is, because, like, it's got this sort of futuristic look. I appreciate it. Like, it took a little while to grow on me, but it does fit the book. Like, like I say, like, the kind of mixture of the traditional kind of, like, traditional art, like, with the 3D model kind of shade, like, heavy shading, um, kind of look to, to some of the, some of the characters in some scenes and stuff. It's weird, but kind of cool. Yeah, um, I think it sort of informs its world after a bit. Yeah. Um, I, like, I, I uh, have been continuing my um, perennial uh, One Piece uh, oh. read. Um, How many thousands I, um, are you in now? Well, I've just finished um, dress ro- the Dress Rosa arc, which is, like, I think it was, like, several years of, uh, that it was being published, and I read it over the course of, like, the last week, and it's real good. I'd had, like, a lot of it spoiled for me already, like, going into it. Mm. Um, like, I knew a lot of the big reveals and stuff, like, and the kind of... A lot of the coolest stuff about like, the, the big fight that, that mm-hmm. takes up, like, the last sort of quarter, maybe last third of the arc. But I love how that can be an entire narrative. Just like, it's oh, a fight. Oh, yeah, but it takes, yeah. you know, it takes two and a half it's hours. This, <laughs> the, the great thing with, with One Piece, in, um, particularly in Dress Rosa, is the scale of the final fight. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a big enough fight spread over enough sort of location geographically and so well laid out and sort of planned out that you like one of the one of the enemy sort of characters um has the ability to kind of merge um with stone and reshape um stone and so forms this like giant um statue that's like hundreds of meters uh, tall um, and so and it it's genius because it sets the scale to the entirety of uh, the the of the like the other fights as well and it helps create it helps create the ge- geography 
of the whole thing because one of the characters is a geographical feature and you can see him yeah in, all like times. almost every like almost all times from any location and that and that helps you figure out where everything is taking place That's good. and create That's sort of yeah it's visual aid type of thing it's very clever and like it's something that was kind of there was a bit of a struggle with in one or two of the more recent like arcs uh, before this and it was just like a genius solution was oh like so it's a little easy to get lost in here like the regular sort of need for maps like in some of them well how about that i make it so that i'll still do maps um every now and then but just being able to see a character and what angle of the character you can see. It's like, oh, I can see his, his left arm. That means that I'm over here. Like, it's so good. And <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, brilliant. I think that's, that's the main thing I've been reading. <laughs> yeah, just solid that. Should we have a quick uh, note towards our erstwhile sponsor, Traveling Man? Yeah, brilliant. So, uh, Traveling Man, talking about uh, the games that people play... You know where you can get games for people to play? Board games. Yeah, Where's why, that? Why Travelling Man? Uh, it ha- they, they have stores in uh, Newcastle, York, uh, Leeds, and uh, Manchester. Nice. And uh, they are open you know, with uh, restrictions due to COVID, but they are open. Yeah, I've been and, back. Uh, oh, have you? I haven't managed to go yet. Yeah, I've been back in. Uh to be honest with you, just to pick up some magic card sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get them sleeves. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I've been back in. It is open. Back for business. Um, we've got a, is it a very late free comic book day this year? Yeah, but, we have. Uh, um, on the uh, 14th of August, just a tidge later than usual. Yeah. Um, but Travelling Man is always my preferred shop of choice tend to uh, get more of the better books in there and it's always just great to kind of get to see all of the uh the the community kind of joining in with it and enjoying it like it's it's great like you know seeing free comic book day is it's great you get to see like all the like all the kids coming in and like coming in for books that yeah that yeah they may have never been exposed to before like it's it's great um, I love it, and everyone like you know people showing up in costumes. Um, and Traveling Man is yeah really great about it, um, and and organize and manage it really well. Even before COVID, they were great at making sure lines uh, and spacing were managed. Yeah, um, for free comic book day. So feel uh, <laughs> feel reassured there. Um, but yeah, comics, games, magic card sleeves. Yes, please. Um, they've got it all. So let's uh, move on to Tetris. Absolutely. This is a book that I've read for the first time. I know this is a, a repeat for you. Yes, I've been a uh, like a Box Brown fan for well since um, Andre the his like, Andre the Giant book came uh, out. All of his books, like, do they have this sort of documentary comic? Yeah, like an educational comic format. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, he's done. And Andre the Giant one, he's done one, obviously, on uh, Tetris. Mm-hmm. He has done one on uh, Andy Kaufman, and he's done one on uh, the history of cannabis. Oh, nice. Um, and they're, 
they all share, like say, like a similar format of like following a like following a story of a person, or in the case of uh, cannabis, a plant <laughs> um, through sort of an interesting, like a particularly interesting period. Obviously, the Kaufman and the um, Andre the Giant are more sort of biographical, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Tetris focuses on you. I, I sent you the cast list. Indeed, um, it is. Earlier, and it's it's about a side and a bit of A4. It's as much about like the game itself as it is like the people who created it and helped sort of move it. Mm-hmm. And it's about it's about games as a thing that people do. Like like the title says, like the games that people play. It's about like how how people create games from nothing and how mm-hmm. games kind of reflect how games reflect life and influence it. Yeah. So you say this was your first uh, first time through. Uh, this- what do you think? This is my first read through. So, for the most part, I think this book's great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we can stop there. Great, we're on. A... <laughs> I I really like the art in it. Um, I think it's kind of high cartooning style. Mm. Is really really fun. Um, yeah, very sort of. It's it's weird because it has simple blocky art mm-hmm. but okay uh, will occasionally go into like give much more detailed sort of close-ups yeah um on people like and a thing i really like about how blocky it is most of the time um is that it's it works so well um, when it's representing uh, the Soviet Union and uh, like that blockiness mm-hmm. because of like Soviet brutalism, yeah, um, as like an architectural style, so it plays really well into creating that sense of like um, of Russia in that period. Like it has like older buildings and stuff there. Obviously, like you know, um, you see like the Kremlin mm-hmm. at uh, at one or two points, but seeing like yeah just all the the very brutalist um square like utilitarian buildings is so yeah it, it just lends naturally to that absolutely i um i also think it injects a certain kind of level of whimsy mm. a lot a lot of the characters are kind of squishy and malleable and you know the, yes. their features don't stay still like they are recognisably who they are from panel to panel, but they are yeah. not fixed constructs. Yeah, the way that like Alexi occasionally just has the happiest kind of looks <laughs> to him is like is in a way that you don't think is possible given the character model you see at various points, like the kind of the the yeah like what his most on model parts look like, and then you just see him a bit more squishy, like not sort of in the chibi stuff, but like a, a, like slight, slightly sort of fatter face and a bit it's, like, yeah. It's got like a, like a Dilbert, like that old kind of three panel gag comic mm. styling, but I really like it. And I also think 
you were mentioning like uh, how it represents Russia really well. It's surprising how much space and feeling you get with very little background detail. And this was something mm. I think I, I was complaining about um, when we were doing the Indie Roundup. Yes. I can't actually remember what book it was in specifically, but I remember saying that one book just, it, I'd marked it down essentially for, for having vague backgrounds. Yeah, like like very sort of just flat um, patches of, of space. Yeah, and I think this does it as well but because of the nature of what it is being more kind of documentary educational in style and also because it is quite cartoony it's pacey you never really Mm. stay on one panel that long yeah like the only times you really do that are where you get the big location shots like um like when they go to vegas yeah and the panel is like because there's um there's a particular colour, like a particular sort of fluorescent yellowy green that is used throughout. Um, and the that that page is like so much of that to represent like all the neon lights and stuff. And like one thing that um I can't remember who pointed it out to me, um, but uh, I was immediately sort of like uh, quite uh quite caught by it was um the kind of like the particular yellow whilst it's not quite there it's it, it gave them they very similar feelings to like looking at the screen of um a game boy classic okay um and i just i was like oh that's yeah like i, I see it, i see it a bit more in the um there's a page when they are talking about what was the chap called Matthias Rust. Oh yes, a the, German um, pilot who landed landed in the Kremlin. As yeah, landed in Red Square. Offer yeah, a, to, to a, create an invisible bridge between yeah, east and west. Offer a an olive branch and got sentenced to like four years hard labor. But <laughs> they they tell that story to illustrate that that image ended up mm. being uh, part of the background of the game that America yeah, was created- selling. It created like an almost crazy political incident. Yeah, um, but in that where the background is pixelated and has that uh, sort of eight bit. Oh, look, that's very much so. That's like just it's it's him almost just like sketching a screen capture. Yeah, it's it's slightly too yellow. I think if it were greener, that would be the sweet spot. But yeah, I, I definitely see that. I get that comparison for sure. So what were your sticking points with it? So I think this is more a criticism of the genre of book than it is of this particular book or material. It's an interesting story. Yes. How, how Tetris was made, the huge like legal complications that it went through of rights issues not only in the in the normal sense of of just rights fraud essentially of selling things you don't own but also of dealing with the old ussr like a country like the iron curtain doesn't understand business because they don't have business yeah like they don't on like they don't on an individual level like the people like alexi the creator of tetris like is pretty much clueless like eventually they have to set like there's a specific 
like um, bureau set up to help deal with like um, like computer rights called Elorg. But yeah, yeah, like an individual sort of person's level, they don't have, Alexi at least doesn't have any sense of what the sort of, of how you would deal with something like that because it's been something he's been raised um, to have no real sense of. Yeah, to believe is just above his his station. Yeah, it's Um, something the state deals with on your behalf. And with that, there's also a lot of story to tell. There's a, there's a lot to get through and a lot of events and characters to meet on kind of Tetris's journey to, you know, mega stardom. But it's in that, that I felt at, at points of the book, I felt that it, it was just sort of saying, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. It, it was never allowed to get into a lot of detail on many of these events Mm. or issues. They were hurdles that almost immediately were solved because that's kind of the pace of the book. And like I said, I've I've basically complimented that in one breath and said, (laughs) it's really like, it's pacey. It's a, it's a breeze to read. Like I I enjoyed my read of it and it's really quick. I always appreciate that because I, I think I'll go back and I'll read this again as where something that I think is a slug or, or is just very long, yeah, less likely to. Um, I, I think that the, the, the thing to realise, though, when it comes to that sort of thing about, uh, about like the pacing is you kind of... It's not going to be a... A fully sort of detailed history of this because you can't really do that um, in in like a what how how many hundred pages like nearly three hundred two hundred and fifty three of yeah in two hundred and fifty three pages of comics Um, like especially with a story with so many moving parts when you're kind of dealing with so many like say individuals. Um, who are having conversations that no one really knows exactly what was said, that, like, it's going to have to, at some points, just kind of move at pace and things are going to happen. It's going to do its best to explain them. But you're not going to kind of, like I say, you're not going to get the most sort of nuts and bolts. Mm Mm-hmm history it's going to it it's it's a book that wants as much as it wants to tell the story it wants to talk about its theme about like about games and about kind of like how why how and why like tetris was this perfect kind of culmination of all of these factors that make that like that of, of of how humans interact with games, how games work with people's brains, all this sort of all, all this stuff. Like, so I I I agree that like occasionally it's like, and then this happened. Mm-hmm. But I I do think that's quite necessary, and like is it makes the book a good introduction. Yes, yeah, I think. I think it's like 
that's why I wanted to preface it with it. It is it is more of a criticism of the genre. Hmm. Of, of it is it wants to give you a very broad picture of just the history of Tetris and and all of the interesting events that happen. Yeah, and it's a funny dichotomy because, as I said, I've I've really enjoyed this book. It, it, it's maybe it's just kind of looking for for nitpicks. I don't know, but yeah, it, it still, you have to find something. It still feels <laughs> it still feels sort of true to me, nonetheless. Like, I I agree that I, it is a, it is a thing. It it's would, not a, an unfounded criticism. No, I, it wouldn't be this book anymore. But I think a, a equally successful book. It could be if you chopped off the beginning and the end and you just sort of had the the legal shenanigans as a more in-depth story. Like, I think the, the, yeah. the opening is really great, and but also really important in explaining history of games and how they came about from, like, uh, Neolithic times through different yeah. stages of history. Yeah. I, 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 seeing the dice in there, I was like, oh, I, like, so I've, I, I've seen so many ancient dice, um, going to various museums and stuff, and I'm like, I was like, oh, I've seen that, um, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, basically, go, the first time I looked at it, I was going through, like, ticking off if I've seen that type of ancient dice, um, and, like, whether I've seen that sort of ancient, like, playing board, Mm-hmm. Um, and Stefan, I, 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 I'm most of the way there. <laughs> Got most ticking them off. Yeah. Are you are you much of a a video gamer? Um, I I play like a fair amount. Like I used to occasionally write video game reviews for the Guardian. Oh yeah. Um, and like the Observer, like I so like not that that means anything. Like it, like I wasn't like. Anyone could do it. Anyone who can play games and write, uh, and and has like and can Still write. You were the guy. I I I was a I was a guy um, <laughs> at the bottom of the pile. Um, but like, I so I I play games and I like to talk about games and think about games. Like at the moment, I'm um, finally going through Subnautica, um, yeah. which is fantastic that and um uh, i'm playing uh, bug fables the uh, the everlasting sapling which is like basically a spiritual successor to one of my top five games of all time paper mario 2 oh lovely stuff oh yeah no, that sounds up my street <laughs> i must say like um, from watching jaws too young I have hmm. a I have an intrinsic fear of like the deep ocean. Yeah. Um, also, uh, did you do you play Tomb Raider two? Yes. And there's a level called Forty Fathoms, and you just start yeah. at the bottom of the ocean, surrounded by sharks, and yeah. it messed my little my little brain up. So I don't like. So Subnautica's not for you. Not for me, even if um, it's not that that scary an underwater game. Just was it, to... was it Tomb Raider three where you could lock the butler in the fridge? No, that was that was Tomb Raider two as well. Where he yeah, he just follow you main, everywhere. That was the main thing I did in uh, in Tomb Raider two was <laughs> I just go on to go into the mansion and play around and lock my butler in the fridge. <laughs> ah, Lara Cross privilege. <laughs> uh, but I've been playing a lot of uh, indie games of late. Um, I've been finding a lot of really cool 
a lot of kind of like throwback games. Mm. I think I, I my era is kind of SNES and things mm. that are like that. <laughs> um, but I've been playing Hollow Knight, which Hollow is a, great. like a almost hand. Yeah. I, it looks hand drawn. I don't know if it is, yes. but beautiful looking Metroidvania. Yeah. Super hard. Uh, Enter the Gungeon. Come across that Enter one. the Gungeon's great. I I love Enter the Gungeon. I've um, only recently got into roguelites and roguelikes. Um, it, it is certainly a a genre. I used to play, like, I I used to play like NetHack, um, and stuff like the proper like early uh, like roguelikes. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad to be able to play fun games now. Um, that, that are in that sort of inspired by that rather than trying to than playing ASCII nightmares. <laughs> no, talking of ASCII nightmares, I do love Dwarf Fortress. So, like that, uh, yeah. Um, I, I I can't complain about ASCII nightmares when I love that game so much. Uh, <laughs> I picked up Hades recently. Have you played Hades? Yeah, um, I'm so close to 100%ing it. Oh, yeah. oh man, I've only started it quite recently, so I've uh, uh, only put in an hour or so, but um, it's just, it looks super cool. It's got it's, a really it's nice brilliant. feel. Um, so, yeah, though, like, about, like, how reading it as someone who, you know, like, like, like most people these days, like, cares and is interested in video games, mm-hmm. how did, like, uh, did it speak to you on that level? Absolutely. I mean, um, there is a point where we are briefly introduced to Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, Nintendo's creator of Mario, and just all round like bonkers eccentric. Yeah, um, and a big banjo. Hi- big hero of mine. Yeah, he's depicted in here as a banjo playing Beatles fanatic, and which is true. That, that's about right. Yeah, that pretty much. That's pretty much it. But um, also, I mean, there are many things I already knew. Um, I say as a fan of this kind of genre, there are are things in there. But there's a lot in here that I had no idea about, Mm. Um, particularly from the Russian side, as you might imagine. (laughs) Like the way that 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 played out was was very much news to me. Mm. The, like, the thing that spoke to me most sort of as about it, as someone who plays games like whilst obviously I was interested in the history and the sub in and the subject matter in that way, what I really like is the way is how it talks about the psychology um of games and in particular Tetris. Like there's a a brief sort of tangent to talk about a study that was uh done by um Bloomer, I think her name is like uh, Bloomer Ziganek, um, who was like a, uh, a psychologist um, who, like one time, she was out with um, her professor for drinks, and they 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 got talking about how uh, the like how did the staff manage to keep um, all of the drinks orders like yes. without paper and without anything, and it's like and it kind of talks about how that and like, and and like how they, once they've delivered the drinks, they automatically just expunge it from their brains. They don't know anymore. Mm -hmm. And how that kind of reflect, 
impact on like how sorry how how that is reflected in games and in engagement in keeping like engagement with people like and how Tetris is accidentally perfectly designed um, to yeah. exploit that because it's like falling blocks that are never falling fast and like are never falling right enough. There's only ever one coming down at a time. Um, so it doesn't overload you, mm-hmm. but it keeps you engaged because it provides a new variable every time. Every single time. An old one. Um, so like you remove that from your brain and then something new is there. So it's like, mm-hmm. and it's talk, it's the way it talks about stuff like that, about how it, like how box brand like really sort of talks about games as like what like why why do game why do games emerge why why do we do games is it is it competition is it bonding is it attempting to kind of rationalize the world around us and like is it like ritual it's all of these things and mm. stuff like and I, that's what i really like um about it that like it's very much takes a like play is a natural part of being a of being alive mm-hmm. it's like it's a useful tool it's like and when it, talking about like the cycle psych- the psychology sort of um like hypothetical with the with the waiter and stuff like that's a thing that's used today in like the process of like gamification as well of like yeah think about like how things like you know take something like duolingo um like the language teaching app mm-hmm. uh, works to kind of uh do it like it not only does like the rewards but it also does like the the kind of breaking it up so into like a small piece with a bunch with a few variables mm-hmm. that you can forget but then it show, as soon as you've pressed to say it it gives you a new thing yes yeah. like yeah, it's. They talk about like game loops, don't they? About that. Yes. Kind of effort reward, um, variable effort reward, mm. variable effort reward, and that sort of. Yes. That ever, and, ever and satisfying yeah, and how, process. Like, and how Tetris is this perfect, ex- like accidental exploitation of that loop, um, and all of these bits. Like, I mean, because like. I mean, te- new Tetrises are being made all the time, mm-hmm. like to this day. Like um, in, I think it was 2019, um, that you had the Tetris effect, um, which is like a particularly like special um, new like version of Tetris. Like it's a, it's 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 Tetris, but it's about the presentation, right? Um, and stuff, so and adds in a few new ideas. But it's still Tetris, and I think that it was Giant Bombs, which is my favorite video game website. Their um, like game of the year for 2019 <laughs> was, "Hey, there's a new Tetris. It's very good." Got to play it. My favorite Tetris iteration recently was Tetris 99. Um, yeah, Tetris 99 is very cool. I think it was exclusive to Switch, but it, yeah. it's that like battle royale style Tetris where. 99 people play tetris simultaneously and when you clear a line you yeah. sort of fire those blocks into someone yeah, else's you have, like, game limited effect on other people's boards and stuff it, and it adds so it adds another level of reward and also um, like challenge and competition yeah it's 
it is just I I have never been particularly good at Tetris, but I'm fascinated by it and by the fact that it is such a perfect game. Um, I really like about a lot of game development and game history stories about how many things are like done by accident. Mm. There's a very sort of gonzo Wild West uh, styling to some of the early video games. Yes. And like Space Invaders accidentally invented levels mm-hmm. because his, his programming made them speed up. <laughs> well, I'll keep that. That's, that's fine. That's cool. And, uh, and sort of Doom kind of accidentally yeah. invented 3D. Well, I guess they and, did it on purpose, but it, well, it, it, like Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two accidentally invented combos. Yeah, um, like combo chains um, that that weren't quite supposed to be there, but they came out in play. And I also love that community of gamers. Although I'm definitely not one of them because I can't be bothered. But who just comb over a game and either like learn how to pull it apart and manipulate it or just learn every facet of everything, every piece of effort that's been put into a game. Yeah. Like your speed runners and like the people who just dive into code to find all the little secrets and to appreciate why the game works in a particular way. It's yeah. And I also like that people have got good at them to the point that we can have like competitions. Yeah. Um, And like, Again, that's a thing that the game that like the book talks about is like is Tetris as a sport. Um, yeah, it's, I mean it's absolutely like I, I'm surprised it's not. I mean more <laughs> more prevalent esport because I think people would watch it. Um, you know, is it going to bring in as much as? Like Dota or yeah, your probably, league or something, probably, probably not. not. But people, but are gonna like watch. People are gonna I, watch. I, I can attest to like I love watching at like um game like the various like games done quick events. Mm-hmm. Um, I love their Tetris um ones where you'll have like someone playing through like um like the 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 hardest like Tetris grandmasters. Um, stuff and it'll be like okay so only one person outside of japan has ever managed to uh to do this particular thing <laughs> only like three people in japan have ever done it um, so if i manage this we take it up to five people that sort of stuff with tetris uh it's where you're having to play with like invisible blocks yeah just remember what's there yeah it's and uh, wild <laughs> yeah so who were your like? Were there any like standout characters that you particularly enjoyed um, in the th- book? Yeah, I think the kind of the duo that forms from about the middle but gets stronger to the towards the end is like Alexi and is it Hank? Yes, Hank Rogers um, from, bullet, I, from Bulletproof Software. That's right. Yeah, and ends up sort of working for Nintendo, but they they just form this little like friendship, and I really like that. Because uh, Alexei Payitnov, yeah, I'm going for that. Um, because he was Russian and at, and at the time made not a not a bean from Tetris, despite the rest of the world making billions. Yeah, and Henk was one of those who became a very wealthy man, but at a certain point, 
like returns that favor and doesn't forget yeah, his friend. To, to like Alexi and to Alexi's like co sort of like to Alexi's friend who helped early on, like uh, Vladimir. Vladimir. Yeah. Um, I, Vladimir wasn't in the book that much, and then at the end, I think I sort of realized why. Yeah, he, he has a, a very dark, very ending. tragic. Um, and I think I don't think you're supposed to get that invested in Vladimir throughout. I, I think throughout you are book. towards the end mm. when you kind of learn more sort of um, about like his his time in America uh, before um, the before his uh, end. Um, but yeah, no, um, Hank and Alexei in particular are just this wonderful, like, oddball um, duo, like, from, like, there's just this wonderful part where there is a, uh, a board from um, L-Org, the, uh, the Soviet, um, like, the Soviet negotiators um, for it there, and, and um, with Alexei, that it's like everyone who's involved in Tetris is here. And then on the other side of the table is Hank. And they're like, and Hank's like, oh, oh I hope I'm going to get it. And you just see Alexei like whisper to the guy sat next to him. I like him. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and he just looks so cute and childlike. And I'm just like, oh, Alexei, you sweet man. I know. They just seem like proper little boy friends. And yes, it's so endearing. Um, Like, I really love uh like one of my favorite characters in it is uh yevgeny nikolaevich velikov the uh the second negotiator that you get for um yeah because like he he takes over from um from the first negotiator a um a man called uh alexander alexinko um who didn't really know what he was doing and like the, the didn't take the whole thing seriously enough um so he's having to clean up this mess mm. but is also still having to figure out um what's going on the entire time and he is the he he is the gutsiest man um or like he it's uh, the gutsiest like bravest person in this book is either uh Yevgeny or it's Henk it's or or Tank Rogers, like because there's this one. Well, there's a few moments for Yevgeny, but like one of the standout um, sequences of the book for me is um, when you have like three different parties um, flying in to Moscow, yeah, um, to 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 go and negotiate. One of them um, is like as uh, Robert Stein, who's the guy who was originally negotiating. Um, directly with Alexei and then later with Elorg, um, who has some rights um, yeah, to it, worst, not though, the rights, but Stein. not the rights he's claiming. No, Stein's um, the worst. Then you have um, Kevin Maxwell, who just happens to be the son of uh, of Robert Maxwell, father of uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, um, and uh, tabloid rag um, owner. Um, who is flying in to, you know, try and uh, get the rights. And then you have lovable old Hank Rogers, um, who is, like, just there. It's like, has heard about it and knows that 
you know, thinks that if he gets there, he can do it. Um, but he's not had an invitation or anything. So, yeah, they're all racing. Innocent bullishness where yeah. he, he's, he falls in love with this game as a game maker himself, like realizes its potential and then just keeps asking about it and just saying, like, I, I need, I want these rights, please. And he's yeah, never like everyone, rude. everyone else going is just a business person. Hey, yeah. is a is business a person who's also a fan and a person who makes games and that like, can talk to someone like Alexi on that sort of level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just shows up. He he's there. He doesn't speak a word of Russian. He has a little. He has a like. I, I, like you assume he's just been on the plane reading like a an English to Russian phrase book, um, and eventually manages to get a translator who like he finds the building that um, that he needs to go to to talk to Elorg, and his translator's like. You can't go in there. That's a government building. <laughs> you don't have an appointment. They won't. Like, and, but he just walks in, and is like, "Hi, I want to talk to Elorg about Tetris." Um, and he's the first one there, and he yeah. just and like he gives Belikov, like I say, the stoniest, like possibly the smartest person in the whole thing, mm. um, just in terms of how he plays every party against each other. Um, like he acts like like um, Hank basically accidentally gives Belikov uh, like the trump card to win all like to win the negotiations by going like look look how look how nice they make like they make your game out there like it's so loved look here's this Nintendo home really and it's like, and he's like he's just like okay that's not supposed to be a thing. Um, that's not in the rights that we gave to start. He's not supposed to be doing this internally. And externally, he's going, at one point, he just goes, can I uh, keep hold of this? Yeah, put so it right in has, and see me in the yeah, morning. <laughs> so he just has the cartridge there to be able to pull it on the Stein and Maxwell. Yeah, you're not supposed to have this. <laughs> and, and gets, despite not giving either of them, uh, either of them the rights that they want, manages to get breach of contract payments. Um, it's wonderful, and I love him. And like when towards the end, like when like there's multiple points where he's basically threatened with being disappeared. Yeah. Um, if like KG. court cases don't go, yeah, you can't well. investigate your your incompetence. Yeah, it's oh, it's great. I I I loved him, and just like this, like this bureaucrat who's in over his head, but is smart enough. And like I say, more than anything, just unflappable mm-hmm. um, enough to make everything work. Yeah, he plays a risky game, but it all it all pans out for him in the end. Because I think initially, like uh, Russia were being ripped off. Yes. Before Elorg came in um, with the first negotiator, I think he even comments that Stein just wasn't even sending them any royalty payments. Just yeah, taking the game and run. So uh, I think they were within their rights to push the point. But yeah, he uh, <laughs> he, he plays his hand brilliantly. Um, yeah. Another another kind of couple of characters. They're not in it very much, but I really enjoyed what you see of them. Is Nakajima and Arakawa, the respective mm. heads of Atari and Nintendo, and their feud. And eventually, you find out that the feud is just that, like, they went for. Oh, he fell asleep at a party at. 
<laughs> that's it. Like, they went at his own house. Like he had a dinner yeah. party and just took a nap. And uh, it's like it's Nakajima a, from Nakajima from Atari thought it was the ultimate disrespect. I just thought it was yeah, a very, <laughs> very cute uh, little yeah, tale the about pettiest, these two CEOs. The pettiest there. reason. <laughs> yeah. Like old yeah. old man yells at cloud. <laughs> It really humanised them in a way that I find I found quite adorable. It, I mean, yeah, I just it just I, makes the the whole sort of complicated business thing feel so, like you say, so child, so childish. Definitely. I'm flicking I'm, back through now and just looking at some of the art bits. I mean, there's so many times where it almost breaks into like a diagram or. Yes. Almost like a technical map of things. and Yeah, like there's a great bit where he's explaining how like Alexi comes up with the idea of Tetris. And it's like he's talking about, like he talks about this, this puzzle called Petrominoes, which are like these five um, piece, like wooden wooden uh, blocks and stuff that you use to, you know, fill in a box and create. Like, and they'll only, the box will only be filled in if you put them in, in certain ways and stuff like that. And he goes like, what if, like Petrominos fell into a jug, like, and like he illustrates this and does like this technical like diagram, and then you see it again simplified further mm-hmm. in the next on the next page where Alexei's like um, thinking about how to make that work on a computer, and then you see it again simplified later when you see like the early working model and it's just like ASCII. Um, stuff and like yeah it's just yeah see seeing like the the the, the process like that mm-hmm. i think it's funny that in, in a book that has no variety in color mm. i.e that it is it is yellow black and white has so much variety in the style of art i mean as you mentioned earlier like he can go into such great detail when he when he wants to show something when we get into the bit where they're talking about the Nintendo chip and Mm -hmm. Atari's, um, well, basically their theft of of said chip. (laughs) Uh, um, Some of the kind of technical drawings of the manufacture process and the chips and stuff are really like really good. Yes. Um, Again, they're so, they're really complicated whilst being still very simplistic. It's something that I think is, um, almost exclusive to comics as a medium to tell something in this way and Mm. be both visual and text. But I think on a TV screen would be too quick. Mm. I think you need to be able to have time to study the page at least a little bit. As I say, it's, it's never complicated art and you never get lost on the page, but it's It's, there to sort of of be enjoyed. Great things about comics though. It's like one of the only mediums where time travels at your pace yeah um i think you know sometimes people i I sometimes imagine that people would ask what does a comic do that telly doesn't or that Mm. you know watching a film doesn't yeah and it's in these types of books that i think well there's your example like this this is what it does that you can't get anywhere else um it reminded me a lot of of pantheon yes Um, that was that that actually came up a few times in book club. People went, oh, Pantheon, yes. Yeah. I guess because of the nature of it, that sort of history, but with a very light, quite humorous 
sheen to everything. Yes. I mean, like like we say, there are darker moments in this, and it doesn't yeah. necessarily pull its punches, but it also doesn't dwell on them. It doesn't it doesn't make a, a too big a deal out they, of they are treated like they're treated with respect um and with the kind of gravitas that they deserve but the tone of the like but like the tone of the book is generally quite fun and light yeah. even when it's dealing with like legalese and court cases yeah Absolutely, and you can imagine in real life these people would have been, uh, I assume, furious with each other at certain times. But mm. it never comes off as more than just, uh, like you say, angry old man. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like another thing that, like, just the thing that's interesting about the Tetris story and the uh, the thing that this exposes this book exposes more people. At, sorry, too is when we think about. Um, Russia's relationship with um, the rest of the world during the like the Cold War, like the the non sort of um, I, I'm doing air quotes here, communist states. Um, yeah, we think that like the cultural exchange was only one way, mm. like that it was only like people only wanted. Like wanted like American stuff. Yeah, in, Western media was, was yeah in in yeah. Russia that like the only people who wanted a a thing that the other has were the Russians mm-hmm. because like you know the stories are being told by the winners. Um, but but like the fact that Tetris exists and stuff is like a massive counter argument to that is that like no the culture exchange did go both ways there were. Yeah things and like say what you will about like american blue jeans that um everyone supposedly like it's the one thing that comes to mind whenever i think about like what did people in the ussr want well according to the various uh action films and stuff i've watched from the 80s um it was american blue jeans just a nice Uh, pair of levi's (laughs) just a nice pair of levi's um but yeah like you know that that things like tetra were things that would go out into the world and were desired enough to to be like to to help you know help the like further an industry i mean they're a fascinating country with with considerably less money and public support they almost matched america beat for beat in the kind of space race um up until the iron curtain fell they're incredibly secretive country and so whatever culture was being developed and and honed just wasn't making its way out in the same way like the the fact they marketed tetris as the game that escaped soviet russia the game that escaped soviet russia it's such a genius bit of marketing this exoticization of a game about falling blocks yeah um <laughs> a game about like a puzzle that's like a game about like a maths puzzle that's like also like a, a spatial puzzle that's like yeah oh it's brilliant it's an example of when the simplest of things are the perfectest of things yeah you can you can the, write like, per, like, you can that, write like that word perfectist yeah it's the most perfectest um, word i've ever said yeah it's it's, it's perfectly cromulent 
Um, it like my vocabulary has been embiggened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah like if you can't tell, like this is a book that I really like. But I am kind of a sucker for educational comics, um, in particular like history comics. Like I, you know, I love like um, I I love the various um, Van Lente, Dunleavy um, comics, like Action Philosophers, uh, the comic book history of comics, mm-hmm. um, the comic book history of presidents. Um, like the Aubrey Citizens um, comic book history of, of uh, professional wrestling, yeah. um, and and all sorts of other, all of Box Brown's books. Like I really enjoy that sort of thing. Like I mean, I I read a lot of like I read a lot of nonfiction anyway, but like I get so much joy out of it. Like out of like learning through comics i think yeah. it's such a fun medium and it sticks with me so much like so well and it's like because you can have so much fun teaching people a thing through comics like um i like i'm a huge huge um shigeru mizuki um fan and he did a lot of um like history mixed with autobiography books yeah um like he did a like a, a like maybe his opus uh was a series of uh, of books documenting like the entirety of the showa um period of japan um okay. called just like showa with each um, volume being like a, a period of time, and it's like it's, a, it's like seventy years um, overall, over about four or five of these huge phone book size. Um, like I think they might be bigger than a bigger than Akira volumes, um, or at least the same size. And um, he's. Like his his bits where he's just like talking about history, like he's just telling you about like how like how war kind of started with Japan and China and stuff at the like at the start and like all these various like things that are referred to as like incidents, like explode, <laughs> like the like. Um, there's a particular where it's like gives the name of a, a rail, a particular railroad uh, length that goes something something explosion in exploding death incident. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I I love I I I love educational comics and like learning about like say Mizuki do, dealing with the darkest of stuff. Similarly to like what we were saying about this, he has a very cartoonish style. Yeah. Um, like, and it helps. It it, it 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 mixes the facts like that. It, it lowers the tension whilst also lulling you into a false sense of security for when the actual horrible stuff happens. Because he talks about like his 
experiences um, in like uh, I think it was Guam in World War Two, mm. where he had one of his arms blown off, um, and he had to relearn. He had to like reteach himself how to draw after he came back because he lost his dominant arm uh, and everything as like a cartoonist. Oh yeah, and, like it's it's like you've just been like this is a horrific story the entire time, but you're also like occasionally oh. <laughs> look at the like, cute thing. <laughs> look at like, look at like all of those squiggly lines. <laughs> but I must admit, I'm not a, um, I'm not particularly a lover of nonfiction. Like it's it's not my my yeah. particular jam. But I really like it in this format. I think this and yeah. Pantheon probably are the the only two that immediately come to mind of this sort of format that I've read. But I definitely engage with it, and I'd engage with it on things that are not already in my wheelhouse. You know, like exactly that's what's that's what's great about Box Brown. Like I, there's like a, I, I've liked all of his books, mm-hmm. but like he could write a book on almost any subject, and like even if I wasn't interested, I'd probably look at it and go, you know what? By about thirty pages in, I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be into this. And like like you mentioned, Aubrey Citizen's um, history of professional wrestling. Again, wrestling's not one of my like uh, areas. Yeah. It's not a love. But I really like Aubrey Citizen, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm up for giving that a, a a try for sure. I'll lend it to you at some point. Super. Um, when that becomes possible again. Um, not long now, within a week, I think of uh, yeah. human yeah. contact. I, I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll get. Like, I'll borrow one of my dad's fishing rods. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll attach it and I'll, uh, I'll cast it um, over to you. Over county lines. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but know yeah, if, I, the, if the rod's that long. I say I, I've. I think as we've talked about it, it's grown even more so um, to the point that I think my original misgivings are not not that big a problem. Like I still no, I think, think they're fair. Uh, yeah, they're still there, um, but I, I think it's criticizing, or it would be criticizing the book for not being what I want it to be, which is unfair. Like you've got to criticize it for what it's trying to do, and I think what it's trying to do, it succeeds brilliantly. I think that the book that you want would also be a very interesting book and would be a great companion. I think um, the story's good enough book. that, yeah, you can just take a chunk of it and yeah, say, I'm just exactly. going to tell this. Like, yeah. You could read, like like I say, I consider this a good introduction to the topic. Like, there is obviously a lot more. Like, there are some things that, that feel like they could be, like, yeah, you could do like a couple, like a, probably like a couple hundred pages on that. This deals with in about five. Mm. Um, but you like to do popular history, and particularly popular history in this format, where like think about like how with um with a nonfiction book, whilst it doesn't have the benefit like of of pictures, like a pro, like a a, a written sort of word, purely written word, purely text. Uh, book doesn't have the benefit of pictures, but it also isn't restricted to about like six panels. 
yes. uh, on a page or like however many panels you can sort of fit. It can, it doesn't have the expedient of pictures, but it does have the 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 benefit of having a lot more space. Yes. Um, to kind of get its thing out and like you can you can always reduce the font size yeah. as I found out when I as I found out when I tried to read a copy of uh, Teddy Roosevelt's autobiography years ago and I bought it for about four four or five quid and it is the tiniest font size I've ever seen like I had to stop reading it because I was getting a horrible headache <laughs> to read it is that just so it wasn't an incredible tome oh it was I was enjoying it um, apart from the moments I had to go and lie down in a dark room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, overall, I mean, I'm into this. I think if Box Brown wanted to tell that story, he, he would have done it, and this would have just been longer. Or, like I say, he would have edited it to that, just to that story. I think he has told exactly the story he wanted to tell, and I think within that, he has achieved the goal yeah absolutely um so it's a so you'd say it would be a recommend it would absolutely be a recommend i think whether you like tetris or not um it doesn't really matter that much no it does help to be into the subject a bit uh, but i say there's plenty in here i didn't already know um and was interesting to me but as you've mentioned like box brown seems to have a pretty uh, eclectic set of <laughs> subjects um yeah and there, are, and there are other people doing so, this type this type of book so if tetris isn't your thing like that's cool but check out one of box brown's other books because i i, I would say to be fair you say he's got an eclectic mix but let me just give you the list of things that based on his uh his books he's into professional wrestling video games um like alternative comedy and weed now, I mean, basically all of the things. <laughs> I was going to say you can tie the other three thing. Any of the other three things can go together perfectly with weed. Um, is what I gather from looking at it. You say he's into video games and weed. He's into wrestling and weed. He's into alternative comedy and weed. weed. <laughs> it's the cornerstone of any good personality. I like as someone with no interest in weed. I can. I, I have known enough. I've known enough, uh, like stoners and people, just you know, generally into it to to be able to go like, yeah, that, that all uh, adds up pretty well. If I was going, like, if I <laughs> thought that any of those friends of mine were going to to do an educational comic on something, it'd probably be one of those three things. <laughs> <laughs> but still, like, subject or otherwise, it is eclectic. Have a dip because, as I say, there are it's a breeze to read. I mean, this maybe took. An hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and we had we had the benefit at club of actually having someone uh, there who wasn't really into video games, um, and we like asked her how she found it, like as someone from that, and she said similarly, like like we've been saying about it doesn't really matter if you're into the subject matter because it's made entertaining. The story itself is interesting. As I say, that that whole middle, well, really the main thrust of the book, which is the, the back and forth of the legal rights and all of these different companies thinking they have the rights to produce a thing 
actually making it and selling it and then finding yeah. out that it's all built on a house of like house of cards yeah i think it's just a really like captivating and interesting story in its own right so whether or not it was about tetris like i think just the the ins and outs of that and and how it's presented in this format and with that dash of humor and uh slight sort of whimsy to it it's just great it's a really entertaining really easy and informative read it tricked me into learning and uh that's all we can ever hope for and with that i think we're done talking about tetris the games for people play um but before we go to another word from our sponsors i just have one important question for you hit me how you find it how you finding that stoko Oh. You're enjoying you. I, I want an update on uh, on like since I got you to read Orkstein and uh, Orphan. Have you tried any more Stoko? I actually haven't engaged with any more Stoko just yet. Oh, you're say, breaking I, my heart. I know, man. I know. <laughs> I, I've uh, like I, I've been I've really been trying to get through this backlog and um, you know a peek behind the uh, the showbiz curtain. Just had a new so, bathroom in. It's cost me quite a lot of money. I, I, when you said <laughs> I've had a new birth, I was like, he's going to tell me he's had a baby, and I just don't know about it. And I've been yeah, just had another one. Time. Didn't like this um, one either. Sold it. <laughs> Sent it back. Yeah, but uh, no, we did. We just um, we spent so, some of our of our capital, so my my spending power has gone down for a, for a so couple what you're of months. Saying is, if I want to get, if I want to have someone to talk to about Stoko more, I have to add it myself to your backlog. You've got to, you've got um, to get it on your fishing line and fine, send it my I'll way. Get, <laughs> fine, I'll get your address uh, afterwards, <laughs> uh, and you'll have you'll have a shipping crate full of Stoko books. But just uh, in, by the just morning. in in general um i think there's been a couple of instances now uh, and i begin to realize that i think we just share a taste i think, I there's, think just... there's certainly like areas where that's very true because uh, every time we do the indie roundup we always pick the same books yeah it's worrying <laughs> then <laughs> um, it turned out we like we both like powell and pressburger yeah yeah there's lots there's lots in there um but Stoko is one of those that I just think is a real nexus of our collective tastes. Yes, come together. I, I think is the probably the the like you say the nexus is like the central point. Yeah, like it's it's where the things that we both like so perfectly meet. Um, that that yeah, like regardless of whether we, like, it's one of those things. It's like I don't think we'll find a guy who does comics. That either that that either of these people could agree on as much. That's um, right. Yeah, just if you smashed our taste together, it would come out. Prob- Stoko. Yeah, uh, something definitely akin to Stoko. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, I'll crack on with some more Stoko and give you give you a better update yeah, the next brilliant. time. Please, please help me. I need someone to talk to about it. Need um, more Stoko in your life. Talking about more Stoko in your life. Where Let's could I possibly our, get some? Why, my friend, have you never heard of Traveling Man? I haven't, good sir. Do tell me more. Well, then you clearly weren't listening when I told you about Traveling Man earlier. Um, but out. to reiterate, they have stores in Newcastle, Manchester, York, and Leeds. And those stores might have some copies of James Stokoe's comics. But if they don't, 
they'll have copies of some other cool comics and probably some by box brown yeah um like we say like those those comics rule um i like and uh yeah no matter kind of what sort of stuff you're into they have you know board games card games um they have a website at uh, tra- uh travelingman.com um and yeah go and give them a look and i'm pretty sure you won't be disappointed no huge variety of stuff like i say can very much cater to all tastes get down mm-hmm. to your local traveling man buy yourself so, uh, some box brown it's been uh it's been great will i don't think we meandered too far without uh oversight um it, and you know a responsible adult it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, we've been talking for four and a half hours now. I mean, we'll edit this down, of we'll course. We'll edit this down. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, we'll edit the part where I, you know, gave, like, the entire history of, uh, of like, the Soviet Union, um, where I, where you know, um, where, where I talked about the fact that this book uh, talks about Rocky Four, which rules... Um, and where I went into like a half-hour diatribe about why the robot um, in Rocky IV is the best character in the cinema. Happy but, birthday, Polly. Happy birthday, Polly. Um, <laughs> uh, we've been Will and Matt. These have been the games that people play. This has been Bigger Than Capes. Bigger uh, Than Capes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.